This is a Squiz Kids podcast. Your fresh take on what's happening in the world around you. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Australian Museum of Democracy. Curious kids, teachers and parents can learn more about Aussie democracy, civics and history by searching for the Museum of Australian Democracy. Hello there, and welcome to episode two of the sensational world of civics. I'm Amanda Bauer, head of Squiz Kids for Schools. Now, before you start rolling your eyes at the thought of a whole podcast series about civics and democracy, what a total sneeze fest, right? Stop and think about this for a moment. How our government works and the decisions it makes reaches into almost every part of our everyday lives. How and why you go to school, the sports you play, the roads you drive on, the hospitals you rely on, the kind of society you're going to grow up and live in. So settle in as we explore the history of Australian democracy and pull apart how our system of government works. It'll be heaps more fun than it sounds, I promise. Last episode, Bryce explored how Australia became a country, why a non-existent town between Sydney and Melbourne became our nation's capital, and the building of Parliament House. Well, once you have a house, you need to fill it. So today, we'll learn how Australian elections work, how someone will try to win your vote, what political parties have to do with it, and how we vote on Election Day. And to guide us on this journey, I'm delighted to welcome to the Squiz Kids Hot Seat, Cameron Hansel from the Museum of Australian Democracy in Canberra. Cam, welcome. Hello, great to be with you. It's an absolute pleasure having you here. Now, Cam, there are three different levels of government in Australia and every citizen is represented by three different people. You have a local government member, a state member and a federal member. We're focusing in this series on federal government, but... I'm guessing that all those people try to convince us to give them the job in much the same way that the year sixes do for school captain. They want us to believe that they're the best person to represent our interests. How do politicians try to win my vote? That's absolutely right, Amanda. In fact, candidates actually have a whole team of people working with them to help convince voters that they are the best person for the job. In the lead-up to federal elections, candidates and their teams go into overdrive. They work day and night and spend hundreds of millions of dollars trying to win our vote. Hundreds of millions? What on earth are they spending that money on? All sorts of things. They conduct advertising campaigns, they hold events, they make TV appearances and they travel all over the place talking to potential voters. How are you doing? I'll tell you what. It's about more than just making their policies known. How you doing? They want to appeal to us on a personal level. How you doing? They want to show everybody that they're one of us. How you doing? That they are in touch with the average person. How you doing? They love having a nickname that makes them sound like they're one of our friends, like Albo or ScoMo. How you doing? And they do TV appearances where we meet their partners and their children so we can see the bright, happy family that they belong to. Oh, and there's that old stereotype of the politician kissing the baby. Absolutely right, that old stereotype. (laughs) And the reason they do that is because they want to show us that they are mothers and fathers too. They want to show us they really care about everyday Australian people. But you know what? What? Things aren't always so positive in the world of campaigning. 
It isn't all babies, smiles and handshakes. Politics can get very toxic. <coughs> to convince us that they really are the best person for the job, candidates usually try to convince us that their opponents are the worst person for the job. So as you can imagine, this can get pretty nasty at times. Oh yes, and that sounds like those would be the times we'd need to use our news hound skills. We have to stop and think and then check. Why are the politicians saying this? Exactly right, Amanda, but... I know your listeners are critical thinkers, so I would even like to set them up with a challenge this upcoming election campaign. Ooh, bring it on! Well, Squiz Kids, when you see our leaders in the media in the coming weeks and months, really ask yourself, why are they there in that particular situation, talking to the people they're talking to in that particular way? But most importantly, what message are they really trying to put out there? Now that is an excellent challenge. And we also know that we can go to reputable sources who will be working in overdrive to fact check what the politicians are saying. Absolutely. The news media are often thought of as a check and balance in government. They can ask questions and dig into the truth of what politicians are saying. Now, Cam, in the lead up to an election, we usually see signs on people's lawns and in people's windows or bumper stickers on their cars that show support for one candidate or another. And often those signs tell us that the person is a member of one party or another. (coughs) We're not talking about the balloons and fairy bread kind of party, are we? What's a political party? Now, they are similar to a balloon and fairy bread party because they're still groups of people who have come together for a particular reason. However, rather than coming together for somebody's birthday, these people come together because they share similar views on particular issues facing the community. Oh, yeah. Now, stay with me, Amanda, because this is a tool which makes politics a lot easier to understand. Okay. Parties are awesome for voters because it generally allows us to know what kind of views a candidate has based on which party they belong to. Ah, so it's kind of like a cheat sheet to understanding what the candidate believes in and what they'll do if they're elected. Yeah, kind of. Some voters are very uh, faithful to a particular party and they will always vote for one of their candidates. This means that when an election comes around, they aren't particularly interested in following the campaign because they already know who they will vote for. I'm not changing my mind! But the voters who really decide which way an election will go are the ones who don't always vote for the same party. It's the ones who look critically at the issues of the day. It's the ones who take note of what different parties are bringing to the table regarding the issues that are important to them and then using that knowledge to make an informed decision. Right, so there's the thinking critically voters. And what are the main parties in Australia that those people are looking at and deciding between? Well, there are actually many parties. We have major and minor parties, or in other words, big parties and small parties. You may have heard of some of them. Uh, Our three major parties are the Labour Party, the Liberal Party and the Nationals. Right, and then the federal government is made up by the party or the parties that win a majority of seats in the House of Representatives. So I believe that since 1901, that's basically been either the Labor Party or a coalition, which sort of means a joint effort of the Liberal and National parties. Yeah, that's right. And the winning party gets to appoint all the ministers, like the Minister of Defence, the Treasurer and so on. So the losing party makes up what we call the opposition. 
Yeah, so when people are voting in their community, they're not just considering who the candidates are individually, they're also thinking about which party they belong to and whether they like what that party is doing or planning to do overall. Yeah, got it. Okay. So let's fast forward to election day. The barbecue's fired up for the school sausage sizzle. The polling stations are ready to go. What actually happens when we go in to vote? How do we elect our members of parliament? All right, Cam, let's start with the House of Representatives. That's the eucalyptus green coloured chamber in Australia's Parliament House. It has 151 members and they're elected for a three year term. So how exactly do we vote for them? Well, in Australia, we have a system which is called preferential voting. Now, I know this is going to sound like a little bit of an information overload, so bear with me for a moment. Okay. Basically, we don't actually vote for just one candidate in Australia. Oh. Here, we list all of the candidates in our order of preference. Whoever we put as the first candidate is the one which we would like to see win the most. I really like you the best. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, but then why do we have to sort of rank the rest in order? Well. This is the really special thing about our system here because if our first choice doesn't get elected, that's not the end of our political voice. The person we put second still has a pretty good chance thanks to our vote. You're pretty good. I'll put you second. They may not be our favourite candidate, but we would be happy to see them win if our first preference isn't able to, and preferential voting makes this happen. So we have a lot of say in who we would like to be elected, If there is somebody we really don't want to see win, for example, we would put them as our last preference. No way. You are going last, mister. Right, so essentially doing some tricky maths, the system is a way of choosing the person that the most people in the electorate feel comfortable with, even if they aren't everyone's first choice. Is it the same for the Senate, Um, which, by the way, is coloured ochre red? It only has 76 members and there are 12 from each state and two from the ACT in the Northern Territory. So does that work the same way? Yeah, you see, elections for the Senate work a little bit differently compared to the House of Representatives. Uh, If you've been along to an election day, you would have seen that the ballot paper, which we vote on in the Senate, is huge compared to the one for the House of Representatives. Big piece of paper. Oh, yes. (laughs) And as you said, there are 12 senators from each state and two from each territory. So this means we need multiple winners in each election, not just one. Individual senators, they also serve a term of six years, which is double the usual three years served by members of the House. Right, so when you have a federal election, only half of the senators are actually up for election each time that comes around? Yeah, that's right. A quick message from our partner, the Museum of Australian Democracy. Civics is a big topic. There's way more to explore than can fit into this small episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit their website. They've got tons of classroom activities on Aussie history and government and media, as well as lots of information to support young changemakers like you. Better yet, visit them in person at the place it all began, Old Parliament House in Canberra. Just search the Museum of Australian Democracy. Coming up... 
The Senate does sound a little more complicated, but it does sound to me like the goal is to get a good mix of representation across both houses of parliament. Now, of course, Cam, once you've elected these members of parliament, they actually need to get to work. So next time you'll be teaching me about the different jobs done by the House of Representatives and the Senate, how laws are made, and we'll also learn why it is that sometimes parliament sounds like a rowdy primary school playground. At any time with the Treasurer on this the member will resume he knows seat. as well as the I do, member is I can not come putting... in here. Now get out there and have a most excellent day. Over and out.